Welcome to How Do You Do Pod. I am Yael. And I'm Samantha. We're so happy to be here again. Catching up with each other and uh, talking to you about all things Jewy. Yael, how's your week going? Um, well, <laughs> that was a loaded question. <laughs> started um, very roughly, I have to say. Um, and last night, it was raining. It was crazy last night. It was night, a lot right? of rain. And yes. like thunder and lightning. It was crazy. And um, our basement flooded. So we spent like two and a half hours moving everything, like walking up and down the stairs. I got my steps Yeah, you in. got your steps on. Yes. Do you feel new, like, sympathy for Noah and the animals and the whole two-by-two two situation? What, I don't deserve an arc? Why did my stuff get flooded? <laughs> so I think the teachable moment here, <laughs> listeners, is that Yael needs a boat. So please subscribe to our podcast so we can attract amazing sponsors and get Yael a boat to hold all of her stuff. Yes, please. That's what I took away from this story. <laughs> I went to sleep at 8. Dan stayed up, took care of it. And um, he went to sleep at like 10.30. So I feel, I feel worse for him. <laughs> shout out to Dan. <laughs> Plus he carried all the heavy stuff. Double shout out to Dan. Yeah, he was awesome. Actually, if you ever want to like see if your relationship is in a good place home. go through a basement flooding <laughs> i'm telling you i'm really comfortable not being that self-aware about my relationship i'm good <laughs> well let me tell you we're, we're doing fine we dealt with it we weren't angry at each other we were both like so tired and stepping in this like disgusting water and t taking care of everything but we survived and we went to sleep very happy. So I think, we, I think we're in a good place. <laughs> Yay, only Yay. love. How about you? How was your week? Um, also crazy, less gross than yours. <laughs> so I guess I'm counting that as a win. Yes. I wound up having to take a spontaneous 16 hour round trip drive all by myself. What? And I know, um, I had to road trip and it was a lot. And the way back, I wanted to make sure that I could sleep in my own bed that night. There was like an option to kind of crash a couple hours away and then make the rest of the way home in the morning. But I was really committed. I want to get home that night. So my big solution to like, I don't want to be tired on the road was to freeze myself. Oh no. So instead of like turning on the heat in the car and being comfortable, I was like, I'm just going to blast the air conditioner in Ohio um, and make sure that I stay alert and I'm just straight all the way home. Except then what wound up happening, I didn't realize until I would say about an hour and a half from Cleveland. Oh my God, let me guess. What? You were so cold you needed to pee. No, that did not happen. No, that's a good, good guess. No, my my right hand went completely numb. What? Because I had my left hand on the steering wheel and my right hand, don't try this at home, everyone, but either I was holding up my phone for ways or I kept making different phone calls because I'm obviously incredibly popular and I was just trying to keep awake. So I kept talking to people on the phone to entertain me and I didn't realize my hand had been right in front of the air conditioner the oh, entire God. time. And I put the phone down and I was like, I can't unclench my fingers. My entire hand went numb. So then I had to drive home the rest of the way one-handed, not talking, sitting on my hand to try to get the feeling back into it. And thankfully now everything's okay. Oh my God, I'm glad you made it back. It was a lot, there were a lot of feelings on that road. You texted me the next day, I think, and you were like, I'm back, I'm safe, I'm fine. I was like, okay, yeah. I didn't, I should be, I should be so worried. Right, no one was actually concerned about me, but like between the lack I, of- I wasn't sure I needed to be that concerned. No, my hand was numb. There's no lights on the highway. There were just a lot of feelings but I'm super excited to be back here recording another episode of our podcast together so for those of you listening welcome again to the how do you Jew podcast and we are so excited to have you joining us as we share with each other the top things that each of us learned from moving to each other's countries so just in case you uh, aren't fully read in yeah do you want to tell us about where you grew up and where you live now. Okay, so I grew up in Omer, which is a little suburb next to Be'er Sheva, that's in Israel, <laughs> so very far away. And I moved to Cleveland 
um, almost two years ago. And I grew up on Long Island, but I lived in Israel for just over three years. Um, I grew up with an Israeli dad and now have an Israeli husband, so I also visited super regularly. So I'm gonna share my feels about uh, things I learned moving to Israel. We're gonna hear about Yael's move to America. But before we do any of that, um, first, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you happen to be finding your podcasts. Like, review, subscribe. Yes, and then please follow us as well. We're on Instagram at How Do You Jew Pod. We have our website, www.howdoyoujewpod.com. H O W D O Y O U J E W.com. And you can email us at howdoyoujewpod at gmail.com. We did homework this week and um, we prepared all the things that we learned in each other's countries from like the time that we lived there. Uh, we, we actually didn't share fully. Like, so we're gonna surprise each other. So excited. One of the first things that I realized um, was that I am incredibly American in Israel. In America, I'm super Israeli. I feel like people think of me as someone who's Israeli. My house is very Israeli. I have a lot of like all of the food that I make. I think I have a very Israeli Shabbat dinner table with what we offer and the holidays and kind of the even decor of my house. So I always felt very connected to this Israeli identity. And then when I moved to Israel, I realized I might be the most American person ever. I started craving foods that I don't even like because I was just like, wow, God, I could really kill for some chicken fingers right now. And then my dear Israeli husband, then boyfriend, um, would like try to help me. So he would take me out for like chicken schnitzel. And it was just like, that's not what I meant, sir. You can find chicken fingers in Israel. I, I did, but he didn't understand what I meant. I just like was having this crave. But I think the best thing that sums up apparently what made me the most American in Israel was an argument that I had with my landlord. Oh, no. So I moved into... I, I only had ridiculous apartments in Israel. I know that there are nice apartments out there. I've visited people in them. Apparently, they were not meant to be for me. So I think half of my stories, by the way, are about different apartments that I had. But the second one, which was the first one that I lived in with Noam. Okay. It started raining. We were living in Jerusalem. Apartments in Israel are meant to keep in moisture and cold because it's the <laughs> desert and like everyone just wants to be cold all the time. I'm sorry, Jerusalem is not the desert. No, but Israel, like there's a vibe of like, you're supposed to try to retain coldness at all times. <laughs> so it was really cold. And this house, this apartment was not only just freezing, but it had this one wall. This is why I got this apartment. It was a window wall. The whole thing is this beautiful window overlooking the city. I loved my window. That sounds amazing. Except I don't know if I guess the glass and the concrete like didn't mesh well because it would drip condensation inside the apartment. Oh my God. And I would run around trying to wipe it up. But at one point, like these spots of mold started developing. So I called my landlord, borderline hysterical, of like you have to come, you have to clean this, like we have to fumigate. I don't know what one does in this situation. So he came and I thought that he was gonna be, like he's a very nice man. I thought he was gonna come, calm me down, say it was all gonna be okay. He came with a roll of paper towels and a spray bottle of an unknown liquid he sprayed my wall and wiped it with a paper towel and told me that only Americans are concerned about mold and it's not a real problem. And then he left me not a roll of paper towels, but a single paper towel from his roll and said, yeah, besedo, it'll all be okay. And then he left. And that's when I realized apparently I'm so American because I didn't know that mold doesn't affect Israelis. It's only an American problem. <laughs> um, I don't know if I should speak on behalf of all Israelis, but I kind of feel like I should say I'm so sorry. Um, we survived. I think you just had a, first of all, you had a mean landlord. I mean, who does that? He was probably the most normal of all of my landlords. Yeah. Now. I'll that tell sounds, you about the others down the line. Mean. I mean, I mean, mold affects affects everyone. It doesn't I, affect. I think so. <laughs> I, I just assumed it was a group. What issue. if you have asthma? 
I don't know. He didn't. Maybe only Americans have asthma. No, I, oh, okay. have, I have asthma. Oh, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. What's something you learned moving here? Oh my God, I have a full-on list. Okay. So first of all, moving here, I have learned that in the in, in the states, there's some sort of email culture. Okay. I do send a lot of emails. I, I will. I'll, I'll be the you that that's targeted towards. I get emails. About it. my email has never been so alive. You're so popular in America. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like a everyone emails. So in Israel, everyone just calls. Like I want to talk to our friend, I just pick up the phone and call. Here, people expect you to just text. If they get a phone call, they look at it like, why is she calling me? It's weird to call people. Everyone texts. I'll take the American role in this. I've sent no fewer than three emails just today trying to set up times for a phone call rather than just skipping that step and being like, hi. So you, you see? Yeah. I'm you sent an email to set up a time for a phone call. Now the okay, now the problem that I'm having with this is that first of all, I don't go into my email enough to read stuff. So if someone's so by the way, if you send me an email, send me also a text saying, Hey, I sent you, you an email. email. <laughs> Don't worry, listeners. I am monitoring our collective email, so you will get a response in an American time frame. I think I did say it in the in the first recording. Okay, you, we said the email, and then I said, and Sam will look into it. Good. All right. So everyone's on the same page. Sam will respond. Thank you. I'm glad. Yeah, I don't. I I. I mean, I could. I just don't. I don't know. I don't think of. I don't sit at home thinking. Oh, I better check my email. <laughs> I think about this all the time. <laughs> I also don't like, I don't have like a corporate job or an office job. I'm a pastry chef. She has the best job though. <laughs> Thank you. And actually everyone out there, you should be friends with a pastry chef. It's great for <laughs> everybody involved. Except for the pastry chef. I'm kidding. <laughs> Ouch. I, I need to bake all the, have you ever thought about it? That's true. If you had to do your job outside of your job? I do. Oh, like just on. constantly people come up to me in the streets and are like, could you educate me about Judaism? I actually started a podcast about it. <laughs> but yes, okay, the baking is probably a more of a commodity than the like Jewish icebreakers. Okay, you're right. I didn't think about podcasts. <laughs> what being, we're doing. Yeah, what we're doing, what we're actually doing. You're right. So, okay, so I, I need a text saying, you know, you got an email, because otherwise I don't go into it, and I have missed, I have missed like meetings, people trying to schedule, because I because I, I am on the wildy board, so I volunteer a lot, and, and like people try to talk to me, and I just don't respond, and I just sound like the rudest person on earth, but I just don't, do not check my email. So, All right. Um, okay, next, yes. there's matzah and matzah balls in the grocery store, Every day of the year. Every day. Every day of the year. Yes. Okay, so in Israel, matzah and matzah balls, um, well, like matzah meal, I should say, or the little packets that exist here. Um, <laughs> I just laughed at the packets. Yes, that's an American thing. <laughs> they only come out um, in Passover. That makes sense. Only Passover. But you know, the matzah that's sold in the grocery stores in America around Passover season is for Jews. The matzah the rest of the year is actually for non-Jews who love matzah for some inexplicable reason. Yeah. They yeah. haven't told us about it, but yes. People that are not they Jewish buy it? love it. I did not know that. Yes, that's who, it's not for us. Oh, oh my God, I'm learning things now. <laughs> this is crazy. Okay, one more thing. I have learned that bagels it's a Jewish thing. And I learned it moving here. Bagels in Israel are just an American thing. Well, because all Americans are Jews. Did they not <laughs> tell you that? <laughs> because, no, seriously, like yeah. I did not know that. Okay, <laughs> okay. One thing that actually bothered me when I moved here. Uh-oh. It bothered me. Okay, I'm I, You know, I maybe just the people that I interacted with. I don't know if this is like everyone's experience or just how, maybe you can explain this to me. <laughs> I have no words. No, no, it's not that big of a deal. I'm, I'm just like, okay, you know, we have a lot of Jewish holidays. A lot. Okay. Shavuot. Mm -hmm. Good one. Yeah, but not everyone celebrates it. No. Okay, explain. In Israel, a week before Shavuot, everything in every grocery store and everywhere is all dairy. Everyone, like there's special stands for all different kinds of cheeses, different sizes, whatever. You can buy everything dairy. Yeah. And like here, no one celebrates Shavuot. Thank you for giving me the chance to weigh in on this. 
a lot of American Jews are lactose intolerant. <laughs> okay. Just want to give a shout out to every single person I have ever met. I have to say allergies in Israel just don't exist. Right. Israelis don't have allergies. It's because no. of the bomba that no one's allergic to peanut butter or peanuts in peanuts, general. Yeah. And I think because Israeli dairy is just objectively better, you all develop like stronger stomachs and we're just still like straight out of a European shtetl and we have like a stomach for not dairy. I wonder if that's an issue. The I don't know. I mean, there are like dairy products in Israel are made in Israel and so and good, fresh and they're good. But I don't know. I mean, dairy products here are not. No, they're made good here. too. But no, they're good they too. Are. But it's not as rich as the dairy products in Israel. Yeah, cottage and cheese. Oh, okay. Americans I, don't understand cottage cheese. Cottage cheese here is like it's like watered down. Yes, that's why I didn't understand. I will confidently say I don't like cottage cheese when I'm in America. And then I used to say it in Israel and people would look at me with just, I can only describe abject horror. Cause it's weird because not to like in, a, in Israel, it's amazing. In America, it's what your Jewish grandmother eats like for breakfast because she's trying to, you know, keep her dairy intake up because she forgot about Shavuot. But in Israel, it's amazing. I found one company in the states one company that actually makes good cottage cheese and i'm gonna i'm gonna find the name and i'm gonna i'm gonna say it on the podcast and to you because you i need to spread the word <laughs> if they want to be our sponsors <laughs> unknown company call in we will be evangelists for you i have to spread the word of the good <laughs> of cottage the cheese. cheese yeah because it is actually creamier than the regular ones here i mean everything is watered down it's so weird. So maybe that's that's the issue. Yeah. Okay. Can I tell another landlord story? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. So in everywhere that I have lived in the United States, yeah. when I've rented apartments, it's usually been either from a company or a person and they ask for, you know, maybe a security deposit. Uh, maybe there's checks. Maybe they're high tech enough to have a website with some kind of direct deposit thing for your monthly rent. In my third apartment in Israel, so I moved out of the mold place and into this other place where the landlord was um, a combination landlord and the manager of a kiosk right outside the building. Um, it sold, you know, gum, cigarettes, chocolate. I mean, you know, all the essentials. Um, I say that as a non-smoker slash non-gum chewer, so I'm unclear as to what benefit I derived from this. But he was lovely. His name is Serge. Um, and he told us that he only liked to get the rent in cash, um, which was weird, but apparently acceptable to my Israeli... That then by then he was my fiance. So, you know, we were taking steps with each move. It's um, not acceptable. So whatever. He seemed reputable and his mom lived right upstairs um, and she was nice. Usually so, it's done by checks. Okay. Well, we had a cash situation, but that wasn't actually what was weird. Um, instead of like just handing him the cash, he would have me come to his kiosk and if I didn't have exact change, he would try to incentivize me to buy gum from him so that way he could have the exact change. And then he would put it into the register. And one time I like had said just kind of in passing, oh, I, you know, I don't have exact change. And he needed to break like a hundred shekel bill and I wasn't gonna buy, you know, 95 shekels worth of gum or chocolate, although I don't know why I was so insistent about that because I would buy a hundred shekels worth of chocolate on a normal day. But in that moment, it felt really important to dig in on this principled issue. So we bartered for his mom's chunt, which is chalent, uh, amazing Shabbat like stew with potatoes and meat and all these different things in it. And somehow I wound up paying him my rent and then he gave me soup which I'm not sure if that's a thing that happens to others in Israel, but it felt like an only in Israel moment for me. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say I've rented a lot of- um, a, a, None of these things happened to you. I have rented a lot of apartments in Israel. It's always been checks. 
Yeah, no. Like that's the normal way to do it. You give at the beginning, you give twelve checks for one. That's oh, by the way, that's a normal Israeli thing, which I also didn't know about. Um, that in America you just give one check a month. In Israel, you give twelve checks dated for each month, so yeah. you don't have to see your landlord every time to like hand it over. That actually I had no idea about, and is a reasonable thing that was like, oh, I learned that in Israel too. Not just that you could barter for soup. <laughs> Um, oh my god, once again, I feel like I need to say it. I'm so sorry. I can't believe those. You know what? You know what? What I find fascinating? Your Israeli husband. He contributed nothing to any of this. The only apartment that I lived in before I met him. Did he ever rent before you moved in together? No. So that's why. No, he. But what about his parents? Like, no one told you this is weird? No. But like my in-laws are kibbutznikim, so like oh, it so probably wasn't that. weird. They never had that. That was so weird. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But the apartment that I lived in before that, um, I did pay by check and there wasn't mold, but I did learn about like standards of apartments being different. So that one was the site of the time that I accidentally made my mom cry. She came to visit me and I was living in Nachlaot, which is a very hippie neighborhood of Jerusalem. And so it's these beautiful old stone buildings that aren't necessarily meant for like groups of roommates living together. So this was being marketed as a three bedroom apartment. I'm gonna be very generous and say it was actually a two bedroom apartment with an alcove. <laughs> so I moved in and paid rent for an alcove, which included three walls and a curtain. Did you not see that apartment before you moved in? I did not actually. I um, moved to Israel um, originally because I was coming for a semester abroad and we had to find our own housing. And I was freaking out because like there were only six girls in my program. There's a lot of feels in here. Four of them got an apartment together and one was moving in with her sister. So I didn't have anyone like as a natural, like, hey, do you want to kind of go in on this hunt together? So instead, I was on like Jerusalem Craigslist trying to find a roommate and I found the most normal sounding person, um, which relatively, she was actually very normal um, and I enjoyed living with her, but I didn't realize that it was a curtain room. And then also when I originally moved into it, I thought that this was gonna be like a study abroad crash pad for a couple months. I didn't realize that I would end up meeting Noam and like deciding to stay for an extended period of time. How long did you end up living behind that curtain? <laughs> I lived in the curtain room for, I think it was like seven months, which That's is not long. terrible. That's a long time. But what was really sad. Zero privacy. Well, what was really sad about the curtain room, I became so desensitized to weird things at that point. So like I lived in the curtain room, but then it got awkward when I needed to find somebody else to like take over my place in the rent because we were moving into the mold apartment at that point. <laughs> and like other people would come and look at this apartment and look at me so pityingly. I was like, oh, I forgot that it's weird that I live in a three walled room with a curtain. And I, I hope I can find a picture of this room and post it in our show notes. Please. Because there was also between one of the actual walls and the living room, a window with bars on it because that like you could just see right into that room. So it had another curtain there because as it turns out that used to be the exterior wall and then they extended it for the living room. So I had a window into the living room and a curtain. Oh, <laughs> wow. But I would just like to say to everyone, despite those three apartments, I love Israel, which really says a lot about the other things that I learned. That's awesome. I mean, you. a living, okay, honestly, a living situation would, would probably affect my whole experience. Yeah. But no that, that says a lot about you as a person that you can leave a three a three wild curtain room. <laughs> well, I think what saved Israel for me um amongst other things was other thing that I learned, the cafe culture. Oh, yeah. Um I love cafes in Israel and I am personally making it my mission to bring cafe culture more so to suburban Cleveland. Um, because it was the best. The year that I was living in Jerusalem and working from home, 
every single day, I would take myself out to lunch. I would go and the weather would be beautiful and I would sit outside in one of my favorite cafes and you could be like any option that it would be just as yummy to get like a breakfasty coffee beverage or to get like a pasta dish or to get dessert, like all of the above were equally acceptable. And you could just sit. It wasn't like a Starbucks where someone's hovering over your table. That someone is probably me most of the time, especially if you're near an outlet, I'm the one lurking. Um, <laughs> but, and like, it wasn't, just coffee that it was awkward to linger or just food that people like the waitress could look at you and say, why are you sitting here with your laptop for four hours? It was just this lingering cafe culture. It's a culture. That yeah. It was the best thing ever. Well, okay. If anyone knows Israelis, we love coffee. I can drink coffee at 11 o'clock at night and still go to sleep like half an hour later. I think it's also just the quality of Israelis to linger over food in a way that like Americans, like if if I'm sitting with Americans, we're just ordering more food. We can sit for just as long, but like we're continually ordering. If you've ever seen an Israeli sit there with a piece of watermelon and some feta cheese, that could be the week's activity to just <laughs> sit and hold court and invite friends to sit there with them. Cause it's about, it's more about the talking and the company, less about the food. Yeah, Americans really like the food. Have you noticed? Well, I don't know if you have it on your on your list, but I'll add something to your list, actually. Um, well, maybe it's to both of ours, because, okay, moving here. I love this about Americans. When you sit in a restaurant and you order food, if you ordered too much food, or maybe you just, you know, got full after a few bites, you box your food up, right? Yes. And you take it home. Yes. And because you paid for this meal, and obviously, you should be able to take it home. You deserve you. that food. Yeah. Those calories are yours. Yeah. Claim them. Yeah. But in Israel, it, I mean, you can ask to box your food up. It's just weird. And I think that's so stupid. If I ordered something, then what? I need to like sit there and eat until I don't feel good enough. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm like too full to move. I, I, what if I want to box it? I love boxing food. Although that's like the least reason that I get judged in Israeli restaurants. The top two. <laughs> all right. Things that I've learned. First of all. Israeli restaurants do not give you ice unless you beg for it. You need to be specific in your request. You have to ask for no, maim, water, im kerach. Yeah, but you need to say, I want a full glass of ice and just add the water to that. There are so many steps, because first I learned that water doesn't naturally get ice, apparently. No, nothing naturally Then gets ice. I would ask for the ice. So I would get a separate glass of ice, which would still only be three ice cubes, but they're so large that it takes up the entire glass. So I'd have to combine them myself. There's just a lot of steps to the yeah. ice and water process. Yeah. And for a you know country that's relatively hot a lot of the time. No, I agree. Like ice is amazing. I love ice. Well, okay, this may be the fact that I spent all my summers in San Francisco, you know, visiting my grandparents. Yeah, so when I was growing up, like, I love ice. Everywhere you go in the States, you sit, you order, whatever, it comes with a full glass. If you don't want ice, then you need to request it. Like, I know people, weird people, that ask for water with no ice. She's talking about my Safta right now. I didn't know that. <laughs> I was actually talking about Dan and a friend, Shachal. They both don't drink ice in their water. I think it's weird. I don't understand. In anything. The other thing that I learned about restaurants in Israel, which took me, I'm just gonna say longer than it should have. Toothpicks? It, no, oh, the toothpick thing. thing. Oh my <laughs> God, that wasn't on my list. Toothpicks are nauseating. Toothpicks? There is no reason to be sitting at the table sh saying this, especially to all Israeli men who are trying to go on a date. Oh. When you finish eating and you put a toothpick in front of your date, in between your teeth to pick the food out, go home alone. I have a lot of things to say about that. I do not agree with you Oh whatsoever. my God, it's nauseating. But listen, because you can pick, you can put the toothpick in your mouth and like close your mouth. You can do it with your mouth closed. Go to the bathroom. No, okay, so <laughs> in Israel, when you finish a meal, you're handed toothpicks yes. to the table. Okay, 
Just imagine a situation. You're on a date, first time with a person. Not even a date. What if it's like a work, dinner, lunch, whatever. You're with someone that is not your husband. Okay? If anyone that I was at a work dinner with started picking their teeth. It's not about picking their teeth. It's about you sitting there with, I don't know, stuff stuck, parsley stuck up in your teeth. And you're just talking and talking. And in the States, for some reason, no one will tell you you have something in your teeth. Gotta get a subtle, like... I, I always say. I always, I always say I it. I always say you have something here. Yeah. Just because I would much rather... I'd rather you tell me, yes. I would I much agree. rather be that person that someone thinks, oh, she's rude, than let someone <laughs> walk all day long with something stuck in their teeth. I, I, I That's rather, a public service you're providing. I, that's what I think, too. Very so nice. if I ever told you you have something stuck in your teeth and you thought I was rude, that's on you. But... <laughs> Duly noted, everyone. <laughs> no, the, I'm sorry, the toothpicks, no, but the other thing. Really? Is, so I hate the fact that I need to sit in front of someone with stuff stuck But, like, right. bring your own dental floss. I totally cut you off, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say the other thing about Israeli restaurants that I learned. Okay. Dental floss is better? I can't. What? In a bathroom, just get up, go check yourself. Like, there's a mirror. Okay, you see, I can't, I can't, I, I, I don't understand that part of American culture. It's so yucky. It's, everyone, we're gonna put up a poll on our Instagram. Please weigh in toothpicks in public while you might still be eating or not. Yes. This is good, we could make yeah, that this thing. this is very good. Um, okay, the other thing about Israeli restaurants I've been trying to say, I didn't know yeah. Because as a child and a teen going to Israel, I'm gonna be honest, either my like dad would pay for my food or um, I would like have cash on me. I know what you're But when saying. I lived in Israel and I would put a credit card down to pay for a meal, I didn't know you need to specify when you put the card down if you're leaving the tip on the card, there's no like place to write it in on the receipt. So there were also like, some places will not accept the tip on the so card. So I felt terrible because there was this one time that I genuinely like I I'm gonna talk about the banks in Israel later, <laughs> but I needed to go to the ATM. I had no change on me. I had nothing to even break, and I gave my like. I had my credit card, that's what it's for. And I gave it and there was no way to add a tip to the credit card and I felt so bad. So in my American self in Israel, the next day I came back and tipped because I just felt like the worst person. Oh but I God. had absolutely no idea that you can't tip on credit cards. Okay, after you're the, the sweetest. Fact. Yeah, you can't. In Israel, no. what you do is you put the card down and you need to ask, do you accept tips in on card? And they say yes or no. It depends because not all restaurants accept it. And if yes, then you say, okay, so take, I don't know, 60 for my car. Let's say the bill was Yes, up, no, I, then I learned to do that, but I still felt so bad. Yeah. It was awkward. So that's why if you go to a restaurant, if you go to a restaurant in Israel, it's always good to have cash on you. And per, like small change. Also, tips in Israel. Did you know this? The, the custom in Israel is 10%. Yes, that The I custom did, in yeah. the States is 20%. Yes. That's a shocker for Israelis when they move here. They're like, what? 20 what? Uh, yes. 20%. Okay, I found the name of the cottage cheese. Oh, important stuff. Okay. It's sidebar. <laughs> if you are living in Cleveland, I only know of one place that you can get this. Okay. It's on the west side. Yes, I know wow. most Jews live on the east side. And I'm so sorry, but it is worth it. It's on the west side, okay. and it's only you can only get it in Lucky's Market. I've never been there. Because it's only on the west side. <laughs> I have been to the west side. Are you going to go there once you move here? Oh, oh, for sure. Okay. It's the only place to get this cottage, cottage cheese. Okay, well, if you find it somewhere else, please let me know. So wait, what is it called? You haven't told it's us yet. It's called Kelowna, K-A-L-O-N-A. Okay. Yeah. It, just so you know, the full name of this thing that she's showing me is Kelowna Supernatural Cottage Cheese. Yeah. Okay. I'll try it. Yeah. So actually, this is for, it says it's 4% milk fat. In Israel, you can get 3, 5, and 9%. And it is the most, it's the creamiest thing ever. But this, but this cuts it very close. Like I can right. eat this. All right, I, I am ready to try it. We'll do yes. a live tasting. Yes. Oh, they also have a low-fat one. That feels unnecessary to me. It's a 2%. Yeah, I would not do that. That, that feels <laughs> unnecessary. If I have driven upwards of a half hour to get cottage cheese, it will be full fat. Okay, now I have a few. Yes, you're up. So, um, I don't... I don't 
it, it's definitely an American thing. So iPhones are huge here, right? Everything's iPhone. There's like a whole iPhone society, okay? I'm a proud member. Same, same. <laughs> I have everything iPhone, everything Apple. But also I was sort of forced to do it because in Israel, most people, yes, we have iPhones and we have AirPods and everything. But And MacBooks is usually like high-tech people would use. No one's ever called me a high-tech people before. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, no, like, that's an Israel. Like, my friend, she edits stuff, so it's easier for her on, you know, on her MacBook. Okay. But, um, he, but most people have an Android. It's, like, very common to have an Android phone. And here, I found out that people judge you. And, it, yeah, it's, like, you can show up on a text. You know, you can show up blue or green mm -hmm. on the, on the yes. on text messages. So green is Android. Green people, yeah. yeah. And that's not good. You're judged. You are. That's yeah, so I was, so whoever was dating me and Jason. <laughs> Wait, like they said it out loud? No. Like I could silently judge no. people, but I would never like say I'm judging your phone I quality. think men don't do it as much as women, yeah. but I think that women actually judge people on like, um, so, like sites, like, oh. like dating, yeah. dating apps and stuff. They judge them if they show up green or blue in a text message. I've heard it. I've never been judged. I have I so also, many questions. I also buy an iPhone, like, pretty much at the beginning of, like, right when I moved here because I understood, you know. I, you wanted to be cool in America. It's the culture. Yeah. I just, you know, everything is iPhone here. I wanted to be able to sync up to everything. <laughs> I understand that. I felt like I came from a third world country, and I did not. <laughs> okay. One more thing. Okay. This is, this is weird. Okay, driving here, it's a pretty much similar, mm -hmm. except for two things. She's going to talk about right on red. So right on red. <laughs> <laughs> All Israelis talk about right on red. That's one thing. There's one thing that I don't know if Israelis like think about when they talk about how weird it is to drive here. So first okay. of all, yes, right on red. That, that's weird. That's weird. It's fair. Okay, and also, I'll like, take that. I was traveling I, way before COVID times, but I went to Canada um, to the Niagara Falls. Cool. Okay, and then went to Toronto, and mm -hmm. I was like with a friend, and then uh, we actually went to a live show of a podcast that we listened to, and then um, we got to a stoplight, and it was red, mm -hmm. and I was I needed to turn right, and I looked at my friend, and I said, "Oh my God, can we turn right on red in Canada?" She became American. <laughs> oh my God. I was, I was I was seriously I I didn't know, so she immediately pulls up her phone. She looked it up. Two seconds. We made a right, a right turn on red. Apparently, you Canada can. Canada gets it. Canada gets it. You can, you can turn right on red. But the weird thing is, okay, I don't know if you ever thought about it. When you have, um, when you're turning left oh, at a stoplight. I, yes. <laughs> when you're turning left. In a, this is where I have to apologize for America. <laughs> okay, how do you not have a thousand accidents? So you're turning left on a, on a, on a there's a stoplight, you're turning left. The people from the opposite lane are are coming straight. Are coming straight, yes. Your light is green. If you don't have an arrow, but the light is green, you can go only if they have done like if they passed. Yeah. Right? Am I explaining this right? Yeah. No, you're doing. I feel great. like I'm like you're doing great. Okay. Just a reminder, it's my second language. Please be nice. So <laughs> it's basically survival of the fittest of like, can you turn fast enough that they don't hit you? Are you kidding? How are there not? Okay, so I just, every time I do it, I'm like, if this exists in Israel, we would have had like 50 accidents in one stoplight in a day. I mean, who can do, what? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. That's fair. I, I will accept that. Can I share my Israeli driving thing that I learned? Please don't tell me you turn left. You turn, you did that. Oh no, I didn't do that in Israel. No, 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 no. Okay. So something that Israelis do with their cars is they could be parked on the flattest surface in the entire world. There could be nothing around. I know exactly what you're gonna and say. And without fail, every single time an Israeli parks their car, they pull on the emergency brake <laughs> with not just like a little bit, but with the ferocity of like, I can't even begin to describe how aggressively emergency brakes are pulled by Israelis Every time you stop the car. Oh, yeah. And when I took my Israeli road test, 
one of the things that the instructor tells Americans is the reason that Americans don't pass Israeli road tests is because you don't use the emergency brake. Because Americans use the emergency brake if I'm parked at an angle, if like it's icy outside and I'm like genuinely concerned and there's a reason for this function, Israelis use it every time they stop the car. So I knew this going to take my Israeli road test and I was ready. And also fun fact about Israeli road tests, at least when I took it, there were multiple like testees in the car at the same time. There were three of us. Oh, three? So, yeah. I was only with one more Cause person. they, like they group all the English speakers. You get oh, like, it's, it's actually quite sad. But so <laughs> it was me and two other English speakers. Um, I don't know that they were American, but they were lovely. Um, and we, the three of us are in the car together with the testing guy and I went third. So the first person goes and they forgot to put on the emergency brake. And then the second person goes and they forgot to put on the emergency brake. So all I'm thinking to myself, the whole time I'm taking this test, I'm gonna rock this, I'm gonna impress this man, I'm gonna put on the emergency brake like an Israeli, I'm gonna do it with such force. So I pull back like into onto the curb of where like the test stops, I'd done everything brilliantly, pull on the emergency brake and I'm so proud of myself and I look at the guy and then I'm trying to take the keys out of the car and they won't come out and they won't come out and I'm sitting there like, what? what is this? I was so aggressive about putting on the emergency brake, I forgot to put the car into park. <laughs> I had just slowed down and pulled this brake on and the keys were stuck oh. in the car. I still passed the test. I would like everybody to know that, but the emergency brake thing is insane. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. So yes, yeah, I learned to not do it here, but then you have that like weird shake, you know, where you stop the car and then you just put it in park and then it like sort of moves from that's what Noam yells at me about. And it gives me like a, like a weird like dizziness. Noam feeling. always yells at me about that because he still does the oh, emergency brake with such aggression that when we used to share a car before we became a two car family, sorry environment, um, <laughs> I would sometimes have to call him to meet me in the parking lot if I was using the car after him because he would have pulled on this brake with such force. I would have both hands on it trying to press it down and I physically could not. So there's a little secret. There's a little oh, like, tip. Israeli wisdom. So you know how like you, you press a little, there's like a button. Yes. Okay, so you first pull it up. And even then, more? I don't even know how to yeah, pull yeah, it yeah, up yeah. You pull it up and then you pull it and then you press it down. So I didn't know about it. In else. my car, it's in the, like I have a brake in Now the I have foot. a foot one. Okay, it's I have super a foot full. one. Yeah. But I don't use it. Yeah, you're right. I stopped using it. I wonder how it's going to be when we're finally allowed to fly back home um, and to visit. So I'll probably Stay forget. Stay tuned. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh my God. An episode after I visit Israel for the first half to two years. I haven't been to Israel in two years. Oh, that will be crazy. There's going to be a lot of tears. Are you kidding? I can barely speak Hebrew. Oh, my, I can. But, like, I, if I talk to an Israeli friend, I forget words. So I will I will put words in English in, and I can't do that. Well, anymore. I think that's in both directions. Because when I'm in Israel, my Hebrew doesn't get better. But my English gets significantly worse. And I just start speaking, <laughs> like, broken English as though... I should because like most people are and I just I don't sound like myself. Okay, I have a few more things okay, I'm ready. about that are American. Okay. Great. Okay. First of all, almost well, I can't say all houses, but most houses that you like you go into, they ask you to take your shoes, shoes off. off. That's weird. And then and I'm then, not gonna apologize for that because that's weird of Americans. Wait, and then they and then some houses also give you slippers. Wow, your friends are really generous. I want some, slippers. I said some. Now at first I was like, this is weird. And then I thought, okay, you know what? They have carpets. But when it happens in houses without carpets, that's just mean. That's weird. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that is weird. And like everything is everything is is is, is hardwood. All you need to do is like swiffer. <laughs> Anyone who has a hardwood house and makes people take their shoes off, get a dog. It'll just make you like stop caring <laughs> entirely. Okay. Another thing about houses here. Oh god. So again, not all houses, because of course I lived in an apartment. I did not have this. I'm also not going to have this here in this house. I mean, because I don't count the basement as it. Okay, I'll explain. Okay. Two living rooms. One is a living room and one is a family, family room. <laughs> what? So you don't have a TV in the living room, but you have a TV in the family room. In Israel, the family room is the living room. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. But that's because Israeli houses slash apartments somehow have a thing called a half room. I didn't understand what it meant the first time I looked at an apartment. It's like, oh, this is two and a half rooms. Yeah. What is a half a room? The answer, I'm not even letting her respond, is either a closet or a hallway that they're trying to call a room. Well, I mean, if it's actually a half room, then it's actually a room that would be used as a closet. We had that. It is a closet. Yeah, it's a closet. Yeah, but they like call it a room. But it's not. It's not because it's not a closet room. It's like um, it's like a storage area. Yeah, that's called a storage area. Well, we don't have as much storage <laughs> as you. Sorry, our houses are not as fancy. But <laughs> that's why Israel doesn't have as many hoarders as America because yeah, there's not we, enough oh, storage. No, the culture is throwing away. Yes. We are so good at well, not throwing away, but donating. I'm I, really good at keeping stuff for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> so I donate. I donate like clothes and stuff to charity about twice or three times a year. I mean, I, I sometimes don't, like I know it, but it's not like clothes stuff. It's like one time I felt like I was going to take up a hobby and therefore like we own a croquet set. And like, you, you don't want to get rid of the croquet set in case there's ever an occasion to play croquet. <laughs> but like, there's no reason that we own this item. Okay, one more thing about American okay, houses. Sorry that I went on such a rant here. I love it. In the living room, uh -oh. no light. Like there's no light switch. That's a really good point. Okay, so I bought this house. Awesome. D the living room is dark. It is dark, that's true. I need to buy. Like floor lamps? Or yeah, like but they're lamps. not, yeah, yeah, but they're not enough. No, it's not enough. I used to have those in the apartment and it felt dark, but it was, a, it was an apartment, so it didn't feel as dark. Now I feel like. <laughs> Do you feel like it's a response to how Israeli apartments don't have built-in closets. <laughs> okay. Like, that you have to travel with your own. Okay, and the other thing about Israeli. Fair, fair. Israeli houses and apartments, I didn't understand. So in America, when you like rent an unfurnished apartment, it still comes with all the major appliances. <laughs> it still has a refrigerator and a freezer and a like um, that's American standard and a stove, washer and, dryer, right? Like all of like the major appliances, unless like your apartment doesn't have them. An unfurnished apartment comes with all that stuff. Usually a microwave, like in places that I've lived at least. Maybe yeah. that's privileged. The first time that I had to understand that an unfurnished apartment in Israel literally means you have to buy your own refrigerator. I remember my mom like telling me I must be misunderstanding because she didn't understand why Noam and I were buying our own refrigerator. And she was like, you're just gonna travel with your refrigerator from place to place. Like every apartment you move to, you're carrying your refrigerator with you. Yes, you carry and, your appliances. And that's like what people do and I had, no idea that unfurnished literally means this is your room, like maybe with a window, maybe with some mold, but like there is nothing else in it. So you have- Nobody talks about this. So you have unfurnished apartments that come with nothing. Nothing. And then you have half furnished apartments yes. that will maybe come with a fridge and a stove, but it- Or a closet, cause they're not built in. Closets are not built in. You do not have walk-in closet. Cause you don't have, it's not a walk-in closet. But not even a walk-in closet, just like a regular A stand closet. closet. Yeah. So I, I love closets. Well some, well, some apartments will come with it if like the previous owner. Was American? No. <laughs> if he had like a huge closet. So closets are just, it's, a, it's problematic to like take them apart and put them back together because you will never put them back together in the same way that right. you, it, it, so you just leave them to usually leave them. I have left closets or like just I don't know large dressers all over Israel because I don't understand well when. I hope you charge the landlord for that I think I charged the in like the person taking the lease in okay. the like yeah, so in they will the buy it right like in the curtain room um, as per our earlier discussion, I had to like buy the closet from the person who had moved out of it, and then I had to sell it to the person moving in to this tragic room. Okay, so it's funny. <laughs> I'm so moving here. I knew that appliances come with the house and whatever, so it was like, oh, this is normal. I have never thought of the like the trauma of you know, going to the other way. Around. It's so terrifying. <laughs> it's traumatic. It's just a lot. You have to learn a lot. Okay. I have I have I have four more things. Okay. Um but but how about you say something? Okay. So my next thing is I love 
Israeli standards of who you invite to events. Because, like, in America, you could be friends with someone for years and still not necessarily make their wedding guest list. Like, I have one friend who, as, like, her criteria for who got invited to her wedding, it was if, like, both she and her fiancé had your number in their phones because it meant that you were friends with both of them. That is horrible. Like, But that was, like, how exclusive, like, invites were to her wedding. So she had, what, like 50 people? I don't know. I didn't make the list. You, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But it's fine. Oh, that's bad. It's fine. Um, It's all good. But in Israel, you just, like, there's such a generosity and such a culture of welcoming that everyone is invited to everything. And I think I absorbed that and brought it back to America because, like, that's how we met. I met you in a like random setting where we sat across the table from each other. And obviously the next step is like, come to my home and have dinner with my family. (laughs) Um, If you're someone in America who, again, like we we could work together and socialize every single day in the office, but like not outside. So you don't get invited to that person's like life cycle events in Israel. Like, if we had a bonding moment sitting together on the bus from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv, you easily had an invite to my wedding. So people laugh laugh at me that I have friends from flights that I've taken within the United States. Like, oh, I, those are short flights. That's impressive. I know. I once met... Like, I, met I, meet, I meet people on flight, and I keep in touch. I once, like... The, the last serious boyfriend that I had before I got married, I met on a flight from New York to Israel. Um, but that was a 12-hour flight. So, like, there was a lot of bonding time. Long, longest first date ever. It really was, though. 12 like, hours. I mean, literally, we slept together on the first date because we both passed out, like, you know, midway through this flight. You were sitting next to him? We were sitting next to each other. He saw you in your worst moments. Exactly. You looked I horrible. <laughs> I dress for flights like just everything that you would think of as ugly American dressing for flights. (laughs) Like I don't even do yoga pants. That's too much effort. I am straight up wearing pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) Like I do not put like at least most girls, like more power to you, put on like the black pants and whatever. I'm pretty sure I was wearing like pants with an M&M print. Oh, I like to wear sets on the plane, like a like a nice, like, so. That's really great. Because I, I feel like I'm not wearing makeup as is. My hair is probably going to do its weird thing where it frizzes up and, like, everything is coming out of everywhere or, ha- as we like to call it, the Jufro. The Jufro. Like, it, it will probably frizz up. I will look horrible. Then I usually don't sleep. And so after a 12-hour flight, I look like my my, my dark circles are no, like I understand. so dark. So at least at least I can wear something. I was also straight up wearing slippers. Like again, had given up entirely. Solution: Uggs. I was. They were Ugg slippers. Oh, yes. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yes. It's either Uggs or I go then straight to flip flops. I don't have any in between. <laughs> but like, Isn't you have to go. Well, because no, if you're getting off the plane in Israel, like I, I, oh, don't worry. As an American, I am wearing like socks with my flip flops on the plane. <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, yeah, the fact that anyone dated me from that experience probably says something about Israelis and like just the tragically low standard there. But no, no, it's we fine. don't. It says something about you. Yes, I'm that charming. You're when, awesome. When I'm like strung out watching Finding Nemo and half sleeping on you, that Are is you when kidding? I'm at my best. If, if I met someone on the plane and that's when he decided he wants to be my boyfriend and wants to see where this goes, I'm probably proposing on the second date. That's essentially how it went. So, yes, it went well. Hi. All right. So, yes, I think Israelis inviting everyone and just, like, being, like, not being um, stuck kind of saying, like, when someone is important enough to you to get to certain standards, but just, like, the openness of, I mean, like, in a less, like, ridiculous story than the dating someone on the plane, like, when my my in-laws are Israeli and not only do they invite my sister who lives in Israel to all of their events, like, they'll invite her roommate's boyfriend in case he's going to be by himself. 
Yes. And I think that is just so Israeli and it's the best thing in the entire we do, world. We do friendships a little different. Um, the way that I always explain explain it, which is the easiest way to ex- like for me to explain mm-hmm. it to people that don't know Israelis, is if you know Italian culture, yeah. that it's very like, you're a friend of mine, you're my family. Also, my big fat Greek wedding is a very Israeli movie. <laughs> I guess, I guess, yes. Minus the bunt cake. <laughs> we have other stuff. Okay, <laughs> but yes, I mean, it's a very, it's it's just a very- If it was a babka. It's a warm culture. Yeah. It's a, if it was a babka. It's a warm, warm culture. Like we, it's, it's yeah, it's all about hospitality. The, the house is, there's always room for one more person at the table. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, my, so my aunt here, um, Friday or any holiday, she, she sends me a message before and she says, yeah, if you know any Israeli or any one of your friends that has nowhere to go this holiday or this Friday, please invite them. Like, yeah. and she, oh, and every time I ask, I text her like last minute, can I bring this and this person? And she always says, there's always room for more. And my mom is the same. And I think it's just a very, very, it's an Israeli culture. It's such yeah. an Israeli thing. My my parents are the same. We once, I will never forget, like a friend. So my sister was in Israel. A friend of hers and his seven other friends were going to be in like the area for Thanksgiving and didn't have anywhere to go. So we had these eight people who none of us had ever met and it was like of course like I picked them up at the train um they came to Long Island they all came for like Thanksgiving dinner there's actually a picture of all of them holding my dog Nala oh my god that's adorable <laughs> like we went deep in this bonding so I, I love that I, th- th- hospitality that's is the best thing that's something I like yeah all right. and yeah weddings you're right I mean I've never thought about it but back in in, in uh 2011 Back in the day. Back in the day. 2011? No. Oh my God. I can't believe I can't even remember my own wedding. (laughs) (laughs) I got divorced. (laughs) That's why. She blacked out. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was 2011. That was a while ago, so maybe. Or 13? No, 13 I got divorced. So then it was 2011. Maybe 12? Like, how long were you married? Two years. So yeah, yeah, 2011 was yeah. Sure, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, no. We can edit that part. <laughs> no, it's funny. I don't remember. My own. Okay, so back in 2011, uh, a horrible thing happened. I got married the wrong guy. <laughs> Never mind. No kids. All is good. <laughs> Divorced two years later. But when we were making the list, and my mom like gave me her list, I looked at it. And I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no. And it wasn't because I didn't want like my mom to have her friends. It's because. Most of them were not her friends. It was like, I have to invite her because we work together. That so that's fair. That's also a problem with Israelis. Yep. That you don't, like, there's no, like, okay, we work together, but are we close? There's like, we work together, I have to invite her. So I gave her a list, I gave it back to her, and I said, Mom, I want you to go over your list. And I literally, back in 2011, I Marie Kondo'd my, my, mom's, my mom's list to my wedding. I said, Mom, if if they will not be there to support you and be happy for me, they should not be there. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Guess what? 50 people were out. Oh. Yes, it cut a lot of people. I had two weddings, same guy, it's all good. Um, (laughs) But we decided to get married in New York and then again in Israel so his grandmother could be there. And I, I thought both of our weddings were like, average size there were about 200 people at each one because like we had no reciprocal guests so like at our israeli wedding i think i had 10 people there for me and our american wedding he literally had three people there it was both of his parents and his sister so but then we so it was like they were both lovely events and then we realized oh like we would have had a 400 person (laughs) wedding if we had been in the same place and like neither of us put that together for i'm just gonna say longer than i care to share okay i have a little bit more on my list okay go so um this is just my latest experience i had to fix something in my car i went to to get it fixed and then i noticed something i mean it happened like a few times before okay in, in the past, you know, two years almost, but I never actually noticed it until you and I had this talk. Okay. Um, so the person came up to me because I told him something was making a noise. Like it wasn't only my regular, you know, filter oil change tire okay. rotation thing. I had to like get, I had something that was making a noise and a vibration and I needed them to check it. Okay. Okay. 
So I, I told him, he checked it, and then he comes up to me and he says, so we found this, this, and this. Um, these are the prices for each one. Do you want to fix it all like, or, or, or part of it? And, you know, I told him that I, I, I fixed it all because okay. I'm not going to drop it. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but afterwards, I was thinking to myself, that is so nice to, to just like, because in Israel, they would just like hand you the bill. Right. Okay. So this is how much it costs because we found this, 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 and this. And like, they give you the list. And I'm like, okay, then anyone tell Maybe I didn't want to fix it. I mean, I never... Right, maybe I decided my car wasn't worth it. I just or... never thought about that option. Yeah. And, like, here, they don't just hand you the bill. They tell you in advance how much it's going to cost, and then they tell you this is how much this is going to cost. Do you want to go through with it? Could, like, they're basically asking, could you afford fixing right. this right no, now? that's true. Which is very nice that to not nice. just assume. I, I love I it. never thought about that. That is very nice. Right? Yeah. Okay. One more. Th- okay, I'm gonna end with something that is uh, uh, something like very for us. Okay. Okay. But uh, this is not the ending yet. Okay. Thank you notes. Thank you notes. I I sent through through an email. I sent a gift card to a friend on her birthday. I got a thank you note in the mail. <laughs> thank you for the gift card. Thank you for attending my Zoom birthday party. This was COVID times, like when we were we were, when we were on lockdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are still not having birthday parties, but this was like a Zoom thing. Thank you for attending. And thank you for being there. Thank you for being my friend, which I thought was adorable. It was yeah. so sweet. I would never do something like that. <laughs> I love thank you notes. Okay, so I think American Jews learn to write thank you notes because of the bar bat mitzvah. Because <laughs> okay. after my bat mitzvah, every single day, I would have to sit at home, like as part of my like homework, I guess, and write at least five thank you notes until I got through the whole list because you have to thank everyone who brought you a gift. And you have to be specific, right? And you have to be specific. It needs to be personal. Yes, no, it needs to be personal. What? And then like you do it again for the wedding. Can you imagine? No. I had like almost 500 people in my wedding. Exactly. Do you think I would text, exactly. I would send a thank you note? Like, it's not no, you text. send a thank you notes. I, I really like thank you notes. I think um, it's cute, but I would never do it. No, that's very nice. That's really sweet. Oh my God. If I ever you offended be- you because I did not send you a thank you note, I apologize. It's just, it's not in my culture. <laughs> do you think it's because the Israeli postal system is so terrible that like all the thank you notes that everyone's secretly been sending each other never arrived? We can go with that. It's okay. probably not true. <laughs> but we can go with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. Okay. Yeah, that's the reason. Okay. Blame it on them. Yeah. It's, Don't it's ever awkward. take responsibility. No, that, that's very Israeli. <laughs> and American and like all ever. of the above. <laughs> no, it's Israeli. All right, wait, are we up to your like last big thing? Or? Okay, one little thing. One little thing, okay. Okay, Americans can't say schug. No, they can't. There's a, there's there's a, a restaurant. <laughs> so there's a restaurant here in Cleveland called schug. And we have been to it together. Wait, maybe we should explain what even schug is. It's a Yemeni. Yummy, spicy. Very spicy. It's made out of spicy peppers. Yeah. It's and a grinded it's, spicy peppers. It's basically. a condiment. Like, it's yeah. it's a spicy sauce that you would either put on, I mean, anything. Chicken, fish, in hummus. Like, you might dip a fry into it or chips. It's, ex- it's extremely, yeah, chips. It's extremely, extremely spicy. It's, oh, I have one more one. Just because you, you talked about French fries. No, but so all, so this place, it's called Schug. They serve Schug. We have been there together. And I would like to say, I love this establishment. None of the people who work there can pronounce the name of the restaurant. Is it, yeah, I know. <laughs> Is it spelled Schug? I think yeah. it's, it's spelled like. It's spelled Z-H-U-G. Yeah, so that's so like that's Zahug or Zahug, I think is what someone referred to it as. At which point, like I've heard Zug, Zug. Yeah. So yes, which like the Israeli in me, I'm just like, oh, I, I need understand. to make that guttural noise. Zug, <laughs> Zug. Yes. Okay. Good. Good call. Okay. What's your I'm, other? I'm thing? gonna end on this note. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> this is my last one. I'm ready. Are you done with your list? I, the rest of my list comes from me not having fully understood the instructions that I gave for our homework. <laughs> um, oh, so the rest of my list are things that I learned about myself in Israel. I love that. Thank you. So maybe that'll be next week. No problem. Because like, there's a lot. <laughs> I misunderstood my own instructions. It's been a long week. Okay, I have I have one more thing before the last thing okay, I'm ready. because I did say that you I said have about something chips. Up. Yeah. Yes. So Israelis. Um, like to dip their french fries in their own like 
sauce creation yes. of mayonnaise and ketchup. Yes. We take mayonnaise and ketchup, put them together, mix them up with another french fry, eat that one, and then keep dipping you the You know rest. what Americans <laughs> call that? What? Russian dressing. Really? Yeah, that's what Russian Why dressing Russian? I don't know, but that's so, what it's called. So, so do you think it's like ketchup and mayo came, together? Did it, did it come from from like the Russian culture? I genuinely have no idea, but and I don't know why I said that. That's what Americans do. I'm gonna be a lot more specific. That's what my mom calls it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I have absolutely no idea if anybody else in the world does. But there's an ongoing list, and uh, loyal listeners, you will start to learn. My siblings and I have a list of things that our mom either says or does that well into our adulthood, we only now are realizing are not like commonly accepted things. <laughs> so if this is something that should be added to the list, please let me know because I have absolutely no idea. I mean, either. I just, I thought it was like an Israeli thing. It might be. I don't, I don't know. I have nothing to add. Okay. What's the big thing? I'm waiting for the end Because I do have a friend here that every time we like, and, and we're in a situation where we have mayonnaise, ketchup, and french fries, she laughs at me. She waits for me to mix them together. Bully. Always. No, she, 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 she's fine. It's, it's, a, it's a fun okay. making fun of Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Last thing. Okay, I'm ready. Everyone is always on time and everything starts on time everything so if i if i'm going to like a board meeting or if i have a zoom call i re i try so hard not to be late but um i do i am late every single time i make plans with samantha <laughs> As we were waiting to record this podcast, for example, I sat in my car outside of your house. Yeah, for like 20 but, minutes. But it was great. You know what? I get everywhere early, so I'm the most productive. I talked to my dad. I was knitting in my car. I was listening to another podcast. I mean, I really I'm so used happy. my time well. I'm so happy I could provide so don't feel you. Bad. Exactly. I could provide you with this like, very <laughs> time for yourself. All right, so... So there's Israeli time and there's American time. Yeah. Israeli time is always late. Maybe you do push-ups when you're late to meet me. Like, would it help? No. Okay, just checking. Because I am 32 and I don't care. <laughs> but back when I was 18, it probably would have worked. It probably would have worked. All right, yeah. noted. Yes, and I honestly do try, just so you know. But it... Uh, okay. I know that you try. Today, I was just... I was just... I was just thinking if I should bring my laundry here because of the Well, flooding. you had the flood. <laughs> I think we can all give you a pass for today because of the flood. Thank you. All right. I feel like we've learned a lot about each other. Oh, yeah. A lot about the experience of moving to both Israel and the United States. And a lot about how apparently all of my landlords, it wasn't about being Israeli. They were just weird people. Yeah. So... Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> and thank you guys. I'm agreeing with you. Right. And thank you guys for joining us for another episode of How Do You Jew? We hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. Oh, we had such a blast today. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe to How Do You Jew in Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Um, we also want to hear from you. You can check us out on Instagram at How Do You Jew Pod. Find our website at How Do You Jew or email us your thoughts, episode ideas, and all things Jewy at How Do You Jew Pod at gmail.com. Until next time, happy Jewing! Mm -hmm.